Hello and welcome to episode one of Intruder Theatre with the Making, a podcast that will inspire, motivate and guide like-minded creatives to develop their work, follow their dreams and make theatre. I'm your host, Remy Rahuba. And the music that you can hear at the very beginning of the intro is the music composed by Charles Weber and its original music from my solo piece. Now, in order to understand the full journey of my play, we need to go back in time to 2009, when I was at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. It was spring term, and we were doing professional placements. And I was doing my professional placement at the Travers Theatre in Edinburgh, helping out in rehearsals for a David Harrower's play titled Lucky Box, directed by Dominic Hill. And it was halfway through rehearsals, because the rehearsal process was two weeks. It was play a pie and a pint uh, play, so it was only two weeks, not four weeks. Um, and it was the weekend, and a friend of mine, Tony, who was also in my year, he asked me if I wanted to see a play at the Lyceum Theatre where he was doing his placement. And of course I said yes, and he gave me a ticket to the opening night, and I went to see it, and after the play I went to the opening night party. Now, halfway through the party I left, because I didn't feel very comfortable, uh, and I actually don't know why I even went over there. But that's another story, uh, to be quite honest, which I actually touch upon in my solo piece. So I'm making my way home and I'm thinking, which way to go? Should I go um, along the Princess Street or around the castle? And I decide to go around the castle. And I'm walking up the hill and I can hear a man's voice. And I'm thinking, oh, it's not for me. And I hear it again. And then I'm walking further and I can hear it again. And the man approaches me. And then what happens after that is this Hollywood blockbuster sequence that I always refer to. I'm not going to talk about what actually happened. You would need to come to see the play. But I end up home a couple of hours later, very upset, anxious, frustrated. And I can't fall asleep. And the following day was a Sunday. I decided to write it all down and by that particular time I had never well maybe with the exceptions or once well two or three times I had written anything down but it wasn't usual for me to write things down but that particular morning I just felt I needed to describe and summarize and put everything on paper but the way my system processed the whole thing was different uh, at that particular time, it all seemed normal to me. Uh, I just wanted to vent out and get out of my frustration. But what I did was I wrote everything in English, but the thinking process was in Polish. And because I'm Polish, it seemed very natural to me. I was really amazed by the amount of thoughts I had at that particular time. Uh, it was a very dynamic incident and there were so many thoughts going in my, my head that was simply unbelievable. Anyway, I wrote it on 14 pages and, well, never thinking that it would ever see daylight again. I never thought that I would make a piece of theatre out of that. I asked Tony to read it and he liked it and that was really it. 
I then went into the second week of rehearsals at the Travers Theatre. And then after that, I went back to Glasgow, especially as we were preparing for King Lear and then Julius Caesar and then Faustus and then new writing. So I really didn't have a lot of time to think about what happened um, in Edinburgh. And I think that's really where I'm going to go with that particular story for the time being. And I'm going to focus on something completely different because I think it's very, very important to focus on other things because I think these will become prevailing themes in my podcast. So, you know, when you're graduating or you're about to finish school, you don't know what's going to happen. You're in this kind of a excitement mode but then not excitement what's going to happen what am i going to do and various people did various things in my year some of my colleagues and friends went back to america some of my friends got other projects some um, got signed by agents i wasn't and i haven't been still so i really depended on some kind of word of mouth recommendations And then my group was always very helpful. We were always supporting each other. We still are supporting each other, uh, sending emails and just, you know, if we think that, oh, there is something for someone that I know or there is something, a job that I think my colleague or friend from my group could do, I always think of them. And it's always been like that. My group has been always very supportive and still is. And one of these days, um, a very good friend of mine from my year, Lucy Goldie, an actress, she sent me an email. And the email said, Remy, maybe that's something for you. And I looked at the email and it was about an initiative done by the Actor Centre in London uh, in cooperation with the BBC. And it was called BBC Actor Centre Talent Boost which was a program to help minority performers get more experience working in front of the camera. Now, when I looked at it, I thought, "Mm, is it really for me? I mean, do I need it? Uh, But then when I thought again, I thought, well, you know what? I could meet other people. I could get more screenwriting experience. I could um, work under the guidance of an industry professional. And finally, I thought, well, you know, education, training uh, wouldn't do me any harm. It's always going to help me no matter what. And I think that anyone who is ever thinking of doing anything or some kind of training or course I always say do it because you never know what you're going to get out of that. And even some negative experiences can bring positives and can bring benefits. And probably uh, when I talk more about the journey of my piece, you'll be able to know why certain incidents or events have been very beneficial to me even though they didn't bring me the results that I actually expected them to be. So I sent my email and then the actor center said, yes, sure, uh, we're very delighted to have you on board. Now, they were running a couple of workshops, I think in November and December, but I couldn't attend them because I was doing a panto Pinocchio in the north of Northern Ireland. Then it was Christmas, then January, and then when the panto finished, I was unemployed. 
and I didn't know what to do. And another group friend of mine, um, he was working at that time at Cafe Nero, and he said, Remy, maybe you want to work in a coffee shop? And I said, sure, whatever, as long as I get a job. And that's what happened. I got the job at Cafe Nero in Glasgow. Uh, I went on training and I was training how to be a barista. Now, I'm mentioning the story because it's going to have quite a big impact on what happens in the future. So I got the job at Cafe Nero working and learning the craft of coffee making and to be able to serve lattes, macchiatos, double macchiatos, skinny lattes, decaf lattes, you name it, I've done it all. And also at the same time, I'm waiting for the Actors Centre talent boost to kick off. Now, at the same time, I check casting breakdowns everywhere on Spotlight, but also on Equity. Now, for any drama school students, I think it would be worth considering joining Equity. Uh, I joined Equity when I was at the drama school. Uh, actually, we had a meeting with a lovely person from the Scottish branch of Equity. I think his name was Lorne Botswell. And I joined as a student. Now, one of these wonderful things about joining Equity was that they had a, well, they still do, job service. So, Spotlight wasn't the only uh, Spotlight wasn't the only directory when I saw auditions. It was also Equity. It was very very important because it was one of these channels where I could find different jobs and different auditions. So at their very beginning, Equity was part of me, and I always believed in trade unions and someone representing you. If there was any problems, you could go to them and get some help. Even now with COVID nineteen, Equity has been extremely helpful and has helped me financially a lot. So if I were you and or a drama school or a professional, I would always consider um, paying in eleven or ten pounds a month just to be represented by equity. So, coming back, I'm working at Cafe Nero, waiting for the talent boost to kick off, and also I'm checking my jobs on equity. Now, one day on equity, there is a job from a site-specific company in Brighton called Dream Thing Speak. As soon as I see it, I email them and I tell them, this is an amazing project, I would love to be considered and I gave them reasons why. Now, the project was called uh, Before I Sleep, and it was based on Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard, and uh, they were looking for bilingual performers, uh, predominantly who are Brighton-based. I said that I'm not Brighton-based, but I would love to be considered for an audition because I thought it was a perfect opportunity for me. So they invited me to an audition. I went to Brighton, met the artistic director, Tristan Sharps, and 20 other people, and took part in three improvisation exercises, one of which was to sell things. And I actually couldn't believe that all of a sudden my Cafe Nero customer service experience came in handy. Uh, I was very happy after the audition, and I came back to Glasgow. 
and was waiting for the Actors Centre Talent Boost initiative to kick off. Now, one of the things to remember about that initiative was that the final product of it was to make a short film with a little cohort that was working in Glasgow. And I was very, very fortunate because I got to work with an amazing director. Her name was Sue Dunderdale. And Sue comes from a theatre background. She's done a lot of TV work and film work. So she was guiding us through beautifully, uh, doing improvisations, working on character. I mean, really, it was spot on. I would love to work with Sue again. And I still keep in touch with her and I support her wholeheartedly because I think she is a wonderful director. So we shoot the film and you can actually, when you have time, you can have a look at my showreel and you'll be able to see a scene from that uh, short film. It's the very first scene in my showreel when I'm a waiter. And uh, and that's another thing when I'm grateful for the programme because actually in the whole short film, it is only one of the few scenes where I have a little bit of a longer section that I could have used for my showreel. And this is really it. So when I saw the script for the short film, I was very, very excited because I thought, thank God, I could actually use it for my showreel. So then all of a sudden, it was all making sense. And I thought, and I was really, really grateful that I made the decision to take part in the Actor Center initiative because there were so many benefits to it and getting to know everyone and working with people. And then in the long run, the Actor Center was then putting all these short films together and making a little bit of a presentation of them. I think it was at the BFI in London, which I actually couldn't attend. So we shoot the film. And on the very last day, we go to a pub. You know, like in a pub, you get to know other people, you speak to them, and you do this, you do that. And then uh, I was speaking to assistant director. And the assistant director was David Overett. And David was CU's uh, directing student who graduated from RADA uh, with a degree in directing and lived in Glasgow. But we had never met. So we were talking about different things. And David was very interested in me and asking me various questions. And at some point, David asked me, do you write? And normally, you know, I probably wouldn't have said anything, but I said I normally don't write. But then, you know, I wrote that account of that incident. Uh, so that's the only thing that I've actually written uh, recently. And David was very intrigued by the whole piece and uh, David asked me more about it and I was actually quite surprised. I thought, hmm, why is he asking me all these questions? But he was genuinely interested in the whole piece, uh, what it was and how was it. And then, interestingly enough, he asked me what I was doing next. And um, and I said to him, well, I have a very good feeling I would be going to Brighton to do uh, a play uh, there with Dreamthink Speak, although I didn't know at that particular time. I had a very good feeling about it. And then I asked David what, what he did, what he, you know, what, what he was up to. And then it turned out that David was a literary assistant at the Travers Theatre in Edinburgh. So then it kind of clicked on me why he was that interested in my writing. 
and probably if I had known that he had been a literary assistant, I am not particularly sure if I had told him all the stories about myself and about that account. I don't know. Sometimes in my case, ignorance works to my advantage. Uh, and uh, and David asked me to send him the piece, the well, the account, the 14 pages. But why I'm giving the story about David and what's important is that David was that very first person that was interested in it, but who had that connection with the piece. He was genuinely interested in what I had to say, and he was genuinely interested in the whole account. And he was the very first person that expressed an interest in it and expressed an interest in reading it. And this is why I decided to call this episode, my first episode of the podcast, The Connection, because it's this connection with the other person. But I'm not talking about, you know, just, oh, he connected, we connected. That's one thing. But the other thing is that sometimes, and you will be able to hear in the other episodes, uh, you know, what happened and how people, how different people connect with your work. But David was the one who said, oh, it's very interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. I want to read it. So he expressed an interest in it. And I think that's very, very important. Uh, When you have different people expressing an interest in your work, go with that instinct. Tell them about it. Send them the piece. Send them a draft. Because you never know. I think from my experience, these would be the people that will help you. Uh, move on or develop or with your next step of your journey and um, very often you know we send emails and I send emails to various people and people never respond and people you need to then nudge them again and say hello excuse me have you read and then people wouldn't respond again and I know we're all very very busy but I also think that sometimes if not always, people don't respond. People don't connect with that piece. And it's fine. I think it's perfect because not everyone will be for your project. Uh, Sometimes people don't get it. They don't understand. And possibly through the whole journey, I was sending my piece to quite a number of people and people were not responding to it uh, because probably they didn't connect with it. And, And it's fine. Not everyone is for everyone. But also I decided to call this episode Connection because it's kind of like the very first time that I'm connecting with you, with the listener, where I'm talking about my piece uh, and you can connect with it or you don't have to connect with it. uh, And you may find it interesting, motivating, hopefully. But you may say, no, this isn't for me. Remy's voice isn't for me. This, the way he tells us this whole thing is very, is different. I'm not used to it. So I got back home after the conversation in the pub and I checked my inbox. And there it was, an email from Dream Think Speak offering me a part in Before I Sleep. And I was very excited about it. And I'm actually going to touch upon it slightly in the next episode. And the next thing I did, I emailed David and I thanked him for the lovely conversation. And speaking to people like David, who are very inspiring, motivating, encouraging, 
is like swallowing a happy pill that fills you with that drive to move forward, to do it, to have trust in that story that you've written is worth telling. And that's how I felt after the conversation. Um, I never wanted to come back to the account of the Edinburgh incident because it was just too traumatic to me, although a year passed since that time. But it was because of David, I thought, wow, someone wants to read it. Maybe I can translate the Polish bits and then I can send him the account. And that's what I did. I started working on the Polish translation. And I think within the next three or four weeks, I emailed David the full account, especially as I wanted to have everything done before I went to Brighton to take part in Before I Sleep. But what did David write back? And who were the other people that motivated me to work on my play? That's in the next episode. So thank you so much for tuning in and hopefully I'll speak to you next week. Bye for now.